We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus outbreak declared a global pandemic. This is a global pandemic. Tonight, we'll take on the urgent questions here at home and around the world. This is a very difficult time for everyone involved. Our leadership team has made the decision to suspend on-campus classes. Now we understand this will have an impact. When something's going on within our system, it impacts everybody. From Texas Tech University, we bring you Fearless, a podcast featuring the untold stories of the school we love so dearly. In season one, you'll hear from students, faculty, and staff, how they pursued and found success despite the challenges that forever changed us all. It's the stories you've never heard from the decision makers. We had no playbook, and we were making these decisions in real time, fully recognizing that we're not perfect answers. Those whose future seemed most uncertain. Last year I was robbed for the most part. And everyone in between. We pull back the curtain of COVID and look at the transformations that took place on the Texas Tech campus during a global pandemic. From the trials to the triumphs, a community that never stopped believing it's possible. This is episode one, shutdown. If you walk around campus today, it's hard to even picture what life was like just 17 months ago. We're inching closer to that life before COVID, but we still have a ways to go. With this new Delta variant, COVID is lingering. So we're cautiously optimistic, still doing what we can. But it's encouraging to see students back on campus and they're happy to be here too. Even the birds seem like themselves again. Before the reign of COVID protocols and restrictions, before the virus changed how we lived our lives. Ooh, I think the best word to describe it would be just like a dream, honestly. <laughs> I hardly think that Googling pictures of Sevilla, Spain can truly do it justice, but it does help to paint a picture. I imagine a bustling city where tourists roam the streets year round, indulging in the authentic Spanish culture. It's any college student's dream spot for study abroad. It was for Jay Hitt at least. The days were were good. They were like really good <laughs> um, because uh, like our only job was to learn Spanish and so there was like definitely a motivation to study really hard. When we sat down with everyone for this episode, their thoughts and stories of those first few days are the same. The first conversation, the first pivotal decision involving study abroad and how to bring home Jay along with the other 108 students who are studying abroad. Is it okay to go to your yeah, office? Yeah, we can come okay, back. Great. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, I'm Taylor. Nice to meet you. I'm Whitney. Nice to meet you, Whitney. Whitney Longnecker is the director of study abroad at Texas Tech. She and her team were paying close attention to the growing concerns of coronavirus leading up to the spring of 2020. Programs in China and South Korea had already been canceled because of the rapid spread of the virus across Asia. When the coronavirus got to Italy, it was, I think everybody sat up at, at the university in general, but within the field of study abroad and said, okay, this is a big deal. Italy, Spain, and the UK are the top three study abroad locations for Texas Tech students. In fact, nearly half of all students who study abroad choose one of those three locations. Whitney was attending a conference for international educators in College Station. So I, was, 
I was literally sitting in a room with a bunch of other folks who are in positions very similar or exactly the same to mine. I was in a session um, focused on the coronavirus and the response and, you know, universities were sharing best practices of what they were doing and all this kind of thing. And literally all at the same moment, everybody's phone started buzzing and dinging. And that was when the news of the, the State Department raising the travel advisory for Italy, everybody found out about it at the same time. And so you could just hear like kind of the utter groan throughout the room of like, oh my gosh, this is real. That day, the State Department had issued a global level four travel advisory, the most severe warning. Advisories like these are reserved for war zones. I think it might have been early March, whenever COVID uh, like made its way into Europe. And uh, I remember watching, especially the first week of March, watching it, I think initially strike in like Italy and just watching um, the Italian healthcare system just like break down. Jay was watching this saga play out in real time. He was tuning into news coverage every day with growing dread and shock. Like the news coverage uh, was just focused on Italy and it was honestly, it's kind of scary uh, just watching a healthcare system that was not prepared, just get blitzed. And yeah, just watch like the death and sadness and destruction. At that point, I think we knew that it wasn't a matter of if, but when. Okay, my name is Lawrence Skuvenick and I serve as president of Texas Tech University. I think many times you were having conversations and people would say, can you believe this is happening? Of course we, we had doubts. Um, and, but, but, but I would say, that I would be on the phone 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning, calling Noel Sloan, people in operations, talking to the chief of staff, weighing all the various issues that we were dealing with. And sometimes, and this will not be too reassuring to people listening, we had to kind of fly by the seat of our pants. I will say that that was a very chaotic moment um, because nobody, there had never been a global level four before. This was a totally new scenario for the the United States and the Department of State to announce. On Friday, I get a, I get a phone this call. This is Lubbock Mayor day Dan from, Pope. I think it was from Kendra Burris uh, in the, from the Chancellor's office, and was the Deputy Chancellor, and she said, hey, we have, can you or get some of your folks together? and." Um, we, we want to brainstorm with you guys. We're trying to get our kids home, our, our study abroad kids home. And we got some ideas, but we might need a little help. And uh, um, we spent that Friday, we worked that Friday afternoon on, on that. So that's the Friday before spring break. And we thought, well, we're going to stop face-to-face -face instruction and we'll make a decision after spring break. Then, then we quickly realized we were in it in a much more serious way. In a dramatic move to stop the spread of the coronavirus, President Trump has ordered an extensive travel ban. Dr. Anthony Fauci offered a grim prediction on Wednesday, warning of more cases to come. We've got to assume that it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Jay and the other students scrambled to get flights. The university had already promised to reimburse them when they got home. Jay told us about the students' return home experience, too. He said it was weird. 
and alarming. We were kind of concerned that like airports might shut down at any moment. We didn't really know. And so it was like another layer. Uh, we were like, we got to get out of here. So we booked the earliest flight we, we possibly could. He had just seen what COVID was capable of. He had watched it ravage through a country and he was scared of what it may do. And so in DFW, it was like nothing had happened, which was really, really spooky. Kind of sitting there and it all just hit me. It's kind of like tears running on my face. And I'm like, like, nobody, we don't get it. Like, it's too late. The students' return to normal life would be anything but. The end of a study abroad experience was just the beginning. And it wouldn't take long for the campus to make a drastic transformation. Thousands of students made a swift and unexpected exit from campus. But there were some who had nowhere else to go. 437 students stayed on campus for at least part of that spring semester after the campus closed. From a university that was teaching 40,000 students, the great majority of the courses being face-to-face, to waking up one day and not one course was meeting with face-to-face instruction. You would have come onto campus, parking lots were empty. Students had to evacuate the dorms. It was an eerie feeling. You mentioned the word eerie. That was just, I mean, it was, it was dead. I lived by campus, so I jog on campus. And maybe like a maybe like a Sunday morning during Christmas break if you run when it's very dead, but it was like that every morning. Jay lives with his dad and stepmom here in Lubbock. He went to Coronado High School, by the way. His stepmom, she works in a nursing home. Jay had already seen how dangerous the virus was in the elderly population. In that two weeks, I just needed to like breathe and not really see or talk to anybody because um, there was just such a wide, like just such a large disconnect. He did a lot of reading and thinking. He started journaling when he was in Spain, and he read some of the things he wrote for us. That's exactly uh, what I put. It's just like grieving the experience. Yeah, I just need some space to like process that. And just really sad, too. Yeah, it was really weird. It was really weird. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Dan Pope has a long-standing love for Lubbock. He's a second-generation tech grad, an eight-generation Texan, he tells me proudly. I'm one of three boys. My dad uh, used to, he joked when we were growing up that he would pay for college as long as we went to tech. So we're all Red Raiders. <laughs> his daughter is a current student. And at his core, he's a businessman. His plans for downtown renovations and multi-million dollar projects have continued to become a reality over the last five years. So it wasn't just the thought of a flourishing Lubbock economy being threatened. He worried about his city, his alma mater. But most importantly, he worried about the students who also call this place home. I've spoken to orientation, every tech orientation, either live or via video, for the last three or four summers. Mm-hmm. And you know, I promised those parents that we're going to take care of their kids. Dan doesn't hold back here. He wears his emotions on his sleeve, especially when he talks about his city. COVID took a toll on us all, including our leaders. But as a parent, you realize you know, that how important that, what they mean to you, whether they're your kids or somebody else's. These are these are students, but they're also somebody's child and they're somebody's brother and sister, you know, all this kind of thing. It's it's more than just, you know, a Texas Tech student, a Texas Tech Red Raider, you know, it's they have a life beyond this. And of course we have a great responsibility to um, help to keep them safe and healthy. People are responding out of concern for their daughter or their son or their colleague 
or a family member, what would you do to keep your family safe? And that truly did guide us. You're so, you're so caught up in the moment, you, you, don't have, you don't go home at night and feel sorry for yourself. You just, you're just prepared for the next challenge the next day. And the challenges were mounting, not only for the president and his staff. 12 miles west of campus, Steve Presley and his team were on high alert. Turn left onto Boston Avenue, then turn right onto 19th Street. Reese Technology Center is a short drive. There's a golf course and a police academy and several buildings that are used by South Plains College and Texas Tech. It's where Steve's office is located and where he conducts his research. My name is Steve Presley. I'm a professor and the chair of the Department of Environmental Toxicology and the director of the Institute of Environmental and Human Health. Okay, that's a big, that's a big one. The mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Steve is tall with a strong build. He would be intimidating if he wasn't so friendly. When we arrived to speak with him for this podcast, he greeted us in the lobby. How's your day been? Good. Good? Beautiful. I go for a walk at lunch every day, and it's just perfect. He was eager to welcome us, talking about the weather and how nice his walk had been at lunch. And as it turns out, that's something that has incredible value for Steve. I'll tell you why here in just a second. But first, it's important to know more about the Biological Threat Research Lab, or the BTRL. In pre-COVID times, Steve and his team would research and study diseases like Ebola, West Nile virus, and Zika. But it became clear in early March the lab would need to shift its focus. So the university, along with the Texas Tech Health Sciences Center, worked together to become the first lab in the state to process and test COVID-19 samples. It would stay that way for a week and a half until other labs came online. His team of three would grow to nearly 30, and at its peak, they'd process and test up to 600 samples a day. For more than 100 counties in Texas, three in Oklahoma, and six in New Mexico. And it was this team that confirmed the first positive tests in the city. Now the Lubbock area does have its first two cases. Now one of the people who tested positive is a resident of Lubbock County and the other is a resident of Hockley County. I received notification um, from our local response laboratory that we have two locally confirmed cases of coronavirus. Steve said that when that first positive result came through, it wasn't a surprise. He had been expecting it. It was the inevitable coming to fruition. But what he didn't expect was the emotional toll it would take on him and his team. Where I'm headed with that is the hardest thing It was the infants, young kids, because a birth date is associated with every sample name and, you know, this one-month-old, you know, this six-month-old. and. I think that got me as a grandparent, but it also got to some of my, you know, senior laboratorians that, that have little kids right now. We know approximately the viremia, the amount of virus in the individual. I think that was the harder, um, probably one of the hardest. The, the other hardest was keeping morale up because people get tired. and They were focused on the task at hand. The work they were doing was important, and he felt the weight of that. You can only go so long, people can only go so long under stress, and then there has to be, uh, you, it has to be vented some way. 
where you fall apart. And so everybody figured out how to support each other. I'll give you all the grant here, if you, unless you're in a hurry. And it wasn't easy work. He showed us around the facility where the tests had been conducted. Not inside the lab, of course, but it's probably exactly what you're imagining. It was sterile and bright. Fluorescent lights and white tabletops, white walls and floors. The air filtration chambers are big and boxy, like an industrial-sized oven hood with a huge glass door. So the lead is working and once you stick your hands inside the BSC, you don't pull them out. And so you've got a second that's handing you mm. stuff and keep from being contaminated. Kind of like a surgical tech or something. Right, right, doctor. exactly. The teams worked in eight-hour shifts, morning and night. And Steve Presley, well, he was there for most of it. About six hours is all anyone could do. So we had to come up with a, a, a means of decompression, uh, it's high, high stress, um, real loud because of the air filtration and, and your PPE and all of that. It's really interesting how um, people come together when pressure like that, you know, and, and uh, I had a career in the military before I came to tech, and, you know, it's, it's that same kind of camaraderie that forms, that esprit de corps, when you're under pressure and you're, working so hard. I mean, I'm very proud of my team, if you can't tell. We could tell. Steve made it clear how much he cares for that group of people. He saw the time they were giving and the part of themselves they poured into their work. That pride didn't just blossom inside the lab. It gained momentum in the nearly three miles of pavement that surrounds the Reese campus. The stress of the pandemic was becoming heavy. And sometimes, they all just needed a break. Towards the end of March, as we were just getting going good, I realized that I I was up at 4.30 every morning, get stuff, get myself together, get out here so that we could start receiving samples at 7. And so we, we were receiving samples from hospital and clinics at 7 until 7 p.m. It's a 2.7-mile loop around Reese. And so every day at noon, I started walking, and then slowly more of my team started walking with me. And so there was a whole group of us, and we did it and collected golf balls. Rain or shine, freezing, whether it didn't make any difference, we walked. Physical activity is a great stress reliever, or is for me. It's therapeutic. It is, truly. Classes remained virtual through the end of the spring semester. The campus was closed and the university chose to refund a portion of housing and credited back dining expenses to students. It was a decision worth almost $10 million. It's estimated that in the calendar year of 2020, Texas Tech lost around $95 million. That's a number that's continuing to grow into 2021. As the summer months wore on, President Skuvenik was determined to find a way for students to return to campus for the fall semester. He told us that Texas Tech was part of roughly 25% of college campuses across the United States that were fighting to allow students to return to campus the following August. But it wasn't about pushing to get back to normal. It was about defending the college experience. But I also believe many people would say it's reinforced the need for personal interaction. 
and I've said this many times, people often choose a university because of the culture of that university. And that culture is based on its people. And Whitney Longnecker agrees. COVID showed us how important face-to-face interaction is and how truly connected we all are. I don't know what else would show us all the depth of this kind of global world that we live in besides the global pandemic. I, I would rather say what will, ne- what will never go away, <laughs> the need to build personal relationships. You don't make memories through technology. You make memories through your experiences with other people. After all, we have each shared loss, whether of a loved one, a career we were promised, a future we had worked for, or our financial security. Each of us can't help but be changed by what we saw, what we heard, what we felt. But I think we want to live in community. We want to be together. We want to um, we want to go to ball games. We want to go to the art festival. We want to go to Friday night, the, you know, the art trail. We want to, you know, we, we want to cheer our kids, you know, high school football games. So that stuff comes back, I really believe. Dan Pope maybe said it best. There's something about this place that speaks to us, that we feel connected to. There's something about a walk downtown, or dinner with friends watching a West Texas sunset, or even a game day cheering on the home team. You know, that's why we live in college towns. It awakens our spirit. It gives us something to believe in. We set our clock to those type things. You know, we're, I can't imagine a better place to be. Um, through the pandemic and even today than Lubbock, Texas. Next time on Fearless, confusion in Kansas City. We dive into the breaking point, the moment the entire country came to a halt and the world of sports was thrust into the national spotlight. I can't even say it's a different chapter in the book. It's a whole different volume that didn't exist, you know, 15, 16 months ago. The cancellation of seasons and how a multi-million dollar athletics program transitioned to a life locked down. Fearless is produced by the Texas Tech Office of Communications and Marketing. It's hosted by me, Taylor Peters, with special help from Allison Hearth. Fearless is a Texas Tech production. From here, it's possible. Hi everyone, it's Taylor. Thanks so much for listening to Fearless. Don't forget to like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.